Welcome to Original Reporting, where we look at incentives in the media ecosystem for high-quality original journalism. I'm Tomer Ovadia, and in this episode, we dive deeper into editorial reasons for aggregation of original content and what should be considered original reporting. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is the result of my night visiting Neiman Fellowship at Harvard University, where I studied these dynamics for one month while on leave from my day job. The podcast is not intended to be an exhaustive or conclusive report, and while I normally am employed as a software engineer working on Google News, Google had no role in the creation of this podcast or in my decision to participate in this fellowship, and any opinions I express in the podcast are solely my own. In the course of my research, I heard four primary reasons for aggregation. One was that platforms incentivize it, an argument we fleshed out in the previous episodes. I posed the other three reasons to Jeff Jarvis, the associate professor of journalism at the City University of New York, who we heard from previously and who argued against aggregation in 2007. So this argument goes, I have a loyal audience, some of who only read my publication, and I want to provide them a one-stop shop of, say, all the news that's fit to print from a newspaper of record. Sometimes our competitors get a scoop, and my readers expect me to tell them about it, even if I essentially just rewrite it. It must be lovely to live still in 1962. <laughs> uh, th- that, th- that scenario you put out, which is one that I, I hear often, obviously, uh, embedded in that is, is a lot. One is that we're a destination. You have to come to us. We don't come to you. Because that's how our business model is built. It's the only way we can work it. Contrast that, let's say, with BuzzFeed, where in its heyday, not that the heyday is over, but but in in the heyday of its model, 80% of its interactions with users came off of BuzzFeed.com, on Facebook, on, on, on Twitter, on YouTube. They were built for a distributed world. We were built for a destination world where you had to go to a newsstand to buy us, and online you had to come to our site. It's not what happens. It's not consumer behavior. That's point one. Point two is, yes, I might indeed come to start my day with the Podunk Daily Disgrace, and I might indeed want to know what happened uh, in a given primary last night. And you can indeed tell me that, but you can do that very inexpensively. You can pick up a wire story. You can link to something else if we had the business models that would motivate that. Um, uh, but are you really adding a lot of value there? No. It's, that is the essence of do what you do best, like to the rest. Um, yeah, fine. If I, if, I, if I see what happened in New Hampshire uh, last night and I live in California, okay. Uh, but then I'm not going to stay very long unless you give me value for me as a Californian. I asked him about a second reason. So the argument goes... My publication has a distinct voice, so even when I'm not doing any new reporting, I'm translating this content to my audience, who I know best. So, for example, BuzzFeed might say, I'm making the news sound more entertaining, less jargony, and more relatable for a millennial audience. So, you know, for example, I'm putting a pinch of sugar into healthy food so that people who would otherwise not eat it might be interested in it. Or the New York Times might say, I'm adapting this local reporting for an international, highly educated audience that has come to expect a certain journalistic voice. It's not a completely bogus argument, but it becomes bogus when ego is the, is the driving factor. Uh, I have my special voice, and people just love my voice. Uh, I, uh, early in my career, uh, the only time I, I worked in the same city where my parents lived was when I worked at the Chicago Tribune. 
And my own mother would say to me some days, oh, did you see this story about so-and-so and so? And I'd say, Ma, I know, I wrote it. <laughs> my own mother didn't see my byline, which might explain a lot about my psychoses since. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of ego inherent in that. However, however, I do think there's a lot of really interesting work going on online with new players who are trying to figure out how to add that value. And sometimes they add that value by subtracting verbiage. Look at Axios. And Axios says, we're going to take a complicated story. It's all over. We are going to link out to all this stuff, but we're going to summarize it for you right up top so you, you, you have a good grounding. Really smart. Vox, which started off with the goal of being explainers um, and understanding how to, uh, oh, gee, I haven't followed that story for three months. What the hell is going on? That was part of Vox's idea. Uh, the sports blogs that started with Vox were voice. I'm really a Giants fan or a poor sucker or a Jets fan. And um, yeah, so it's from that perspective I'll do stuff. So all that is valid, uh, but only if you really do it. If you think you're special, uh, because your mother thinks so, um, that is not gonna get you very far. And finally, here's his response to the third reason. So in this argument, it goes, my audience consumes content in a different medium than the original source. So I need to copy the content in order to convert it from, say, print to audio or cable to documentary. Um, that has always been the case with broadcast. Certainly television has been rip and read for years and radio, when it began, uh, print publishers tried to prevent radio reporters from being allowed to do news or from getting credentials to cover news because they were incapable of doing it, was the view. We in print were the experts. Well, of course, radio came along and did its own reporting and often very good reporting, and TV came along and did its own reporting. Not so good. <laughs> but yes, a lot of people watch the local news. But a lot of local news is pap and crap. Uh, it is, um, uh, I mock it because I'm, here I am with a microphone in front of my face in front of a place where there was a fire 12 hours ago and nothing's actually happening. There's no one here to report on. There's no sources. There's no victims. There's no reason for me to be here except to use the world as a backdrop in this theater we call TV news. It's bull. Um, there's a lot of resource still in TV news, uh, but I dread that it's being used badly in simple rips and reads, in fluff, in fires that don't really affect that many people's lives, but make good video, uh, in Happy Talk, uh, and now uh, in Sinclair and people like that taking over the airwaves for the local version of Fox News, which I think is a great danger. So I wish that broadcast uh, TV would recognize how it could uniquely add value. It could do great explainers. It can, it can talk to people and, and give people voices. It could make strangers less strange. It could do a lot of good things that it doesn't do. And broadcast radio in the U.S. is all but dead. Um, apart from public radio, uh, iHeartMedia uh, recently laid off a couple hundred uh, online personalities because it just doesn't pay. And so there's not much value from radio there either. So it's got to be nothing but rip and read if it's got any local news whatsoever. Next, I spoke with Emily Bell. My name's Emily Bell. I'm the director of the Tau Center for Digital Journalism at uh, Columbia Journalism School, and I'm also a journalist and writer on the media. I shared with her nearly 20 hypothetical types of news content and asked her whether she would consider them original. Here are her responses, heavily edited for brevity. In this case, 
The New York Times gets an exclusive look at a draft of former National Security Advisor John Bolton's book, and they publish an article with the highlights. Would that be considered original content? Yes, because I'm assuming that, that well, first of all, sort of Bolton's book is original content because it's written by him. They are presenting it, I'm, I'm assuming, in a way that means that they've actually done some work on extracting the passages which are unusual or newsworthy, and they, I would imagine, are connecting it to a broader context. If the New York Times didn't add any context, if it just published the PDF of the draft of the book they've acquired, would you consider that to be original content? Well, it's John Bolton's original content. It's not really the Times's original content. Let's say an, a reporter at a different publication essentially rewrites that New York Times article. Would you consider that original? No. I would not consider that original. If you're simply sort of rewriting and you're not adding anything, then it's not original work. And then what if this same reporter, they'd added to their rewriting a single original sentence and it contained light analysis that said, let's say, that the revelation might change the chances of the Senate calling witnesses? Yeah, I mean, I think that's well, so that sounds to me like a speculative statement attacked onto something which is not necessarily original reporting. So I would still say, you know, it's not original and it's not sufficiently additive either. Say that same reporter added more than just that one sentence. Say they added a list of senators who are most likely to change their minds about calling witnesses and background and what those senators have said in the past. I think if that was missing from the originals, then yeah, you know, at this point, it's not wholly original, but it is uh, actually adding something of value that's new that people haven't seen before, unless, of course, they aggregated that from somebody else. What if they did? What if they aggregated that information from, let's say, five or ten other sources in the past that have reported on this dynamic? So they're not anything adding anything new to the conversation that hasn't been known. Right. So they're not actually they're not actually doing. Yeah. So I think that I think that that then falls under the not original um, line, because and there's an awful lot of reporting that falls into this category, which is, I would, I would say that's aggregation. It's like sort of, a, it is a type of reporting which has its value because, you know, often there are scattered facts or observations around a story that nobody has quite pulled together sort of well enough. If that same reporter added a direct original quote from some of the senators saying that they declined to comment on this right now. Yeah, no, that's that's original for sure. Even if they declined to comment, they, they haven't said anything. Yeah, I think it's, you know, a, a no comment is still uh, material particularly in something like this. Got it. And then what if somebody who's a commentator cites the New York Times uh, report on the book and adds their opinion as to whether this changes the impeachment dynamic? Sure. Well, so so for for opinion columnists, then, you know, just an awful lot of them don't do very much reporting best ones do reporting, do original reporting. And then from that, they infer things which become, you know, their opinion columns. Okay. And then what if the reporter that's rewriting the New York Times article reorders that article a little bit? Let's say the reporter disagreed with the relative importance of the revelations in the book. Well, 
Well, you know, it's sort of, I think that it depends on how much context they add and whether or not they can actually kind of point to new or important things about it. So let's say that they just, if they just reorder the article, no, not really, that doesn't add anything to it. If they extract, you know, if they, if they take something, supposing the New York Times had posted the PDF and they extract something new that the Times hasn't highlighted at all, you know, then that is an original piece of work. I see. And then say the book has been published. Uh, already and let's say there were no let's remove what I said earlier there's there were no draft uh, drafts leaked beforehand is anybody's reporting on that book original depends what it contains honestly um, you know I think if you find errors or you find some you know something that's been said in the book that uh, requires research um, to produce you know a new conclusion if you're just writing about the book then it sort of falls into review territory or analysis territory or commentary territory. It doesn't really fall into reporting territory. Then you're into a completely different set of qualitative judgments. Is it original? Again, depends on how much they add. Is it their view? As with all of these things, you know, it depends. You know, there are some very easy cases where you could say, no, that's definitely not original. It's just ripped off from everything else that everybody else has yeah. done. Two, you know, yeah, they've kind of done some original reporting. It's just not very good reporting. Two, actually, you know, this has really sort of substantially changed what we knew before and is adding a perspective or some facts that we really didn't we really haven't considered until this point so say the cdc holds a call open to the public with updates on the coronavirus and many reporters join in which articles written about that call are original which deserve the most credit and then which version do you think the readers would want to read well so again it very much depends um you know, at this point, they're all as original as each other. So in other words, I think you don't have to be exclusive to be original. So that's one thing to say. I see. And actually kind of having a dozen different takes of one call is pretty important. That's why we have plurality of the press, because different people will hear and prioritize different things um, in the updates. Some people will prioritize writing about, for instance, if there are four cases in America they will prioritize that over the 100 people dead in China. You know, that's that's the kind of... A, yeah. And if the person, you know, who, if one of the people who has it, who's in America, um, is from your town or whatever, then the local reporter that writes it from that angle um, has the, the best, in inverted commas, version for you as a resident of that town, maybe... Um, I think if you wrote that version of it and put it in the New York Times, people would say it's a terrible piece of reporting. <laughs> you know, you're, you're elevating, you're expecting, you're, you know, we expect a global view from the New York Times. We expect them to contextualize this and treat the material sensibly. Right. There are a million different ways of writing or rewriting, you know, the same sort of information that are given out by agencies. You know, being absolutely first has a value. Uh, as long as you're right. And if you're not right, you're not first. So you're inevitably bringing to, bringing to it a set of subjective values. Some of that is is about who has written, you know, what has been written, so what, what the material is. But some of it is also about who has written it and who has published it. This is one of those things where we have difficulty looking at things at just the article level and trying to determine the integrity of the information. Because you can do that up to a certain extent, to a certain point, but beyond that point, when everything looks the same, 
and you're picking sources, then it totally depends on what your cultural point of view is. You know, nothing is more culturally specific than journalism. There are so few things that I can think of that are more culturally specific than journalism. You bring to it a set of values when you're looking at those news sources. So it sounds like you're saying that originality doesn't matter if what's being reported isn't true or high quality. Is that fair? Well, so, so, so I, don't, I don't think that you can unpick those two. And, you know, if I'm a troll that goes around, you know, shitposting all <laughs> over the internet, that's my own work. Does it matter that I've done it? Absolutely. Is the outcome of that, you know, reward? No, it should be, it should be the opposite. So, you know, I, I, I think that sort of, you know, integrity and motive and context of origination is always interesting, actually, even for very low quality material. I see. So, you know, I want to know if something has come from a, you know, a troll factory in the Philippines versus, you know, a local newsroom in Missouri. You know, it makes such a big difference <laughs> in evaluating what you think about a particular piece of um, piece of journalism or, or piece of content. Let's talk about the Grammys. So say that there's a group of vetted reporters, they're attending the Grammys, and the Grammys are also broadcasted live. Do these reporters have anything original? And of course, if they're commenting on the Grammys, perhaps they're adding something original but beyond that do they have anything original by being in the room i mean yeah i think that sort of it, i think witnessing and being in the room is always important because what you don't see or what the camera doesn't see is just as important as what the camera does see Suppose there was a frosty atmosphere between Billie Eilish and Ariana Grande. I don't think there was, but if there was, <laughs> then there is a, there's a, there's a, there are two very dedicated fandoms that would want to know about that. And if you're the TMZ reporter, it is your job to report on that, and it's not going to show up on TV. And and I want to know what what people who are entertainment uh, critics or reporters think of the performances. Say, say that I was one of those vetted reporters of the Grammys, and I know very little about the entertainment world, and whatever I come out with from my presence there will probably be of little use to anybody, but would you consider that to be original? Yeah, it can be original, but it might just not be very good. <laughs> but it could still be your view. You might go, you might love the Grammys, you might go, and you might say, I love the Grammys, I had a great time. All of these acts were amazing, and here are some very bad pictures I took on my iPhone. It would still be original, you know, it would be something that, you know, I might kind of cuff my 15 year old around the head for if they produced for the school newspaper, <laughs> but it's still original, you know, it's um, right. It might be it might be of interest to my mom, for example. Oh, yeah. No, right? Your mom would be delighted and would be like, hey, you <laughs> that's amazing. And, uh, you know etc so yeah and uh, but you know kind of it's sort of as i say it depends on who your audience is your mother as your audience right. is a pretty low bar for most people that's kind of like the <laughs> one. um but as you get a little bit further out beyond immediate members of the family you may find that you know kind of there's a little bit of pushback on the quality of what you've done uh, so a journalist cites another publication that is reporting that Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash. The reporter adds falsely that all four of his daughters were on the helicopter as well. Is this original? Um, well, it's not true and it's speculative. So when you say, is it original? I mean, yes, it's originated with him or her, uh, but it's no, it, it, it is no good. 
if it's not right, you are not first. If somebody just takes TMZ's report and adds something else to it, which is completely untrue, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's original, but it's just made up. It's not of any value. In fact, it's of negative value. Say a journalist exclusively reports, citing anonymous sources, that a politician is going to announce a run for president. Right. It depends on it depends on who the journalist and who the anonymous sources are, and whether it turns out to be right. So, if I sit here and think it's a very slow news day, and I was at a bar in DC last night, and somebody told me that Oprah was going to enter the race, and I'm kind of sweating on deadline, and I'm just going to write that it's original. Nobody else has written it before. It's probably wrong. So, the originality around that doesn't sort of necessarily kind of you know, conflate to it being good. In fact, it's it's bad. And this comes back again to publications and the standards that they have for publication. And say a couple hours later, another journalist reports with named sources that the politician is running for president. Would this be original content? And more importantly, would this be more important original content than the previous source that used anonymous sources i think a named so so i think this is really interesting if it's true it's really important to know who published it first even if there are anonymous sources in it knowing who reported it first being able to think why would they place it there who does this reporter know why would those people anonymous why are they not anonymous all of that's important all of that's important information so is it more valuable when there are names on the record sources? Yes, because then you can actually kind of tie accountability to the people in the story, as opposed to tying count accountability to the reporter and the publication. The difficulty is that if you're looking at those two pieces and saying, which one should I read first? You know, as a reader, I would say, well, the one with the name sources is more accountable. It does really help to know where it first came from. Why is it helpful to know where it first came from? It, it, again, it helps to build a picture of uh, the story, the reporter, the publication, you know, the, the likelihood of the veracity. Yeah. These are all sort of like micro bits of information that go into you thinking. So, so we have two examples so far. One of a journalist who's exclusively reporting, citing, citing anonymous sources that a politician is going to announce that they're running for president. Another where a journalist is reporting with named sources that they're going to announce they're running for president. This came out a couple hours later, let's say. And then a few more hours later, the politician announces that they're running for president. So are the previous two reports original? And if so, does it even matter? Yeah, I mean, they're still original. They then become sort of, you know, they sort of fade into the archive at that point. Maybe that if there is, you know, an exclusive story that says X is going to happen, and then X happens three days later. I still want to see the point at which it was first known. Where is it? You know, where is that originating from? Does it matter? You know, kind of, I think to the casual reader, et cetera, probably less so. The, you know, the public record is an underrated part of understanding what is important about news reporting mm. you know that actually having a pretty accurate record of what happened when is really important and you know the increments matter as well politicians may or may not be using the press to get certain messages out it's a layer of insight 
into how something sort of emerged. I see. So it sounds like you're saying that this backstory should matter to more than those who have an interest in the media. Are you saying that even casual readers? Yeah. Yes. Of course, the immediate concern is for what's happened, who's hurt. Uh, but beyond that, there is now, you know, kind of a, a much more sophisticated understanding, I think, of how information and the generation of information or the generation of false information plays into um, geopolitics or local politics or business, um, you know, in completely sort of new and quite powerful ways. In the next episode of Original Reporting. Right, they, they own it, but who, how can they monetize it? Who uses it? Who wants to read old news? It's the best of time for original entertainment media. We survey a range of ideas that could help improve incentives for original reporting. What if content could travel with its business model attached like a YouTube video? Huge thanks to the Neiman Foundation for supporting the research behind this podcast, especially Leah Becerra for helping make it possible and the Neiman Fellows for their invaluable guidance. 